25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 wide sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right. Yep. You going to watch the draft? Why would you watch the NFL draft? Tell me that. Give me one good reason why you would actually watch it. I, I Now, I'm going to follow it. I have social media. I'll know who's picked, when they're picked, where they're going, all that. That's the information I need. Why on earth? Well, that's very negative because now if you're going to watch it, you're like, well, Matt's being negative. I'm not going to answer his question. Let me, let well, me, I'm going to carry it on the radio so you don't have to watch it on TV. Well, okay. Roger. You can do something, you can do something else while you some, Absolutely. Some things are even more tailor-made for radio than television. Number one would be talk shows, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I mean, to me, it is just downright dumb of television people to think that it's interesting to watch people talk every day. You, you know what I mean? Like, your television, you have moving pictures. Well, you know what? Show me the ball in the air. Show me things moving. Not some guy sitting up there with his part combed over and his glasses on talking. Who wants to watch people talk? Well, and, and we all get it. It's a way to fill time, large gaps of time in their deal. The draft is tailor-made for radio. Roger, several years ago, at about uh, this time, I went and I played in a golf tournament at Dancing Rabbit in Philadelphia. And I remember on my drive back that evening from Philadelphia up to Tupelo, where I live, I scanned through and I found some an ESPN station, and doggone, it might have been you. It, it, back then, it might have been WRKS, The Zone. Where were you now? I was traveling from Philadelphia back to Tupelo, and when I was leaving yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, probably us. Uh-huh. Okay, so I tuned in. We get almost up to Starkville. Right. Well, that's yeah. about where I had it. And I, I tuned in, and I listened to pick for pick the NFL draft as it was happening on that Thursday or Friday at, on uh, – on the radio, it was perfect for radio, but watching it, I don't understand. So I don't Why need does it to take three days. Well, that's just to sell ads. That's all that is. It doesn't take three days. They just purposely spread it out that. that Somebody much. tell our salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's what it's for. Um, hey, welcome in. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. They are your home team, local agents that you can count on. Deal with them face-to-face, one-on-one. 
there's no, ha- you know, you have a fender bender and you have to call a, a 1-800 number during business hours. That ain't happening. You, What you will do is if you have that fender bender at 11 p.m. on Saturday night, you'll call your agent on his cell phone. And that's the way it works, a one-on-one relationship. That's the way it ought to be, and that's the way it is with Farm Bureau. And this show stays connected to you around the clock, just like when I was out of town and yesterday was able to record the show and get it uploaded so that you could listen. Uh, I stay connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. They are customer-inspired, and they offer great business solutions, which I and many others take advantage of. So uh, check them out at C Spire. And happy to be in my Farm Bureau studio in Tupelo today. i got a train who's going to come by and make an appearance here in just a bit. You may or may not hear that. No, I, I don't want to be, like, you know, super negative about the, the draft on TV. I understand it's an event. They And for what it is, you, you do have to give ESPN and the NFL Network credit for turning it into something that, you know, looks good on, on television. The production is big, and they go and they have crowd shots and people yelling and screaming, and it makes for a little drama. But for me personally, I I, um, I don't get – sitting in front of the TV watching it. I totally get following it, which I will do. I want to know when the pick happens, I want the notification on Twitter when the pick happens. You know, I can set the hashtag to notify me on my phone. Boom, there's the pick. And if I'm interested, then I can flip over or I can start to read and What's really cool is when it's all done, when the first round is over, you can go back and start to look at the first round as a whole and see what people did. And I guess last-minute trades if you're a super-duper fan of one team or the other. But you know, why watch that? I, you know, I'd much rather listen to it. Like Roger said, you know, listen to the draft while you go and do some other stuff. Uh, I got a text here from Philadelphia on the text line. It says, uh, you need to watch it so you don't miss a Laramie Tunsil-like moment. Boy, nothing ever, 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 ever has happened quite like that in the history of the NFL draft, has it? Nothing ever. And doggone, I mean, somebody zapped him, was a kind of a low-down move what somebody did, intentionally trying to get him to drop in that first round by waiting the day of the draft and releasing that video of him uh, wearing a gas mask. Uh, you know, to, you know, inhale marijuana fumes, you know, that, but they wait to release this video. Whoever did had it out for him and waited on the day of the draft, the biggest moment of his life and, and pop it out there. And it makes this big, big drama. And, but he sure didn't help it by later going in there. And what a, what a deal. He goes in there later. They ask him questions about money. He's like, yeah, they gave me money. And, <laughs> They whisked him away. Somebody representing his agent came in there and said, hey, that's it. That's it. Come on, Laramie. Let's get out of here. That's it. No more questions. <laughs> it was terrible. And it was such a big deal. It was such a big deal when it happened. I, You know, I say a big deal. He wound up going in the first round, went to Miami, a place where he's been really good and he's been happy for all, you know, according to all the reports. <clears throat> but – you know, it certainly did drop him, and I am guess it did make a, a difference financially there. He's still going to make plenty of money. when he, I guess it's about time to move into that next contract, for which he will be paid very, very handsomely. 
but that but everybody around the entire country was talking about the Laramie Tunsil situation at the draft for weeks. I mean, I'm serious. Think about it. Go back to when that happened. What year was it? 16 or 15? And whatever year it was, after that happened on that first round of the draft, and it was a complete disaster from a PR standpoint for Ole Miss because they were in the middle of the NCAA investigation that was ongoing, and then that happens on national television. It was a disaster. And you had Hugh Freeze there, and it was a, it was going to be this kind of just shining moment for the program that he had built and was building there at Ole Miss, right? Because you had Tunsil, you had Kim Dietschy, and Treadwell, right? All three first-rounders. And, and you're going to celebrate the fact that you had as many or more first-round picks from your team as anybody else in the country. It was going to be an incredible showcase for Freeze and for the program and for the school. And then the bong video or the the gas mask video comes out. Big story, national breaking, trending on Twitter, the whole thing. And the camera keeps just, you know, cutting over to Laramie Tunsil. There he is. There he is, the same guy. Here's the video. If y'all hadn't seen it, I mean, splattered all over TV. And they cut over to Coach Freeze and he's trying to support Laramie Tunsil. And then, what, then they take him in the draft, and not five minutes later he gets on camera and admits to getting benefits and money from coaches <laughs> or whatever it was. And it was, you talk about a PR meltdown at the worst time. It was terrible. And that story was a story for weeks. And days into it, I had people not pressuring but kind of in – you know, who are big fans of Ole Miss, encouraging me to please stop talking about it. <laughs> I ain't going to say begging, but I had people, you know, encouraging me to please stop talking about it. I'm like, how can you stop talking about it when the entire world won't stop talking about it? Because if you then if you do, you kind of look stupid. That was a terrible, terrible moment for them and for him, but he's made it out of it fine. No question about it. He's made it out of it just fine. And, and so you text and you say you watch the draft for a moment like that. I don't know that I necessarily enjoy, you know, seeing a moment like that, but it ain't going to happen again. You're not going to see a moment like that again. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Yeah, but I guess maybe there's a chance. But for me, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and this analyst and Mel Kuyper, and they just fill time flapping their gun. Yap, 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 yap. Filling the time. Boring. <laughs> and then the pick comes up. There goes the commissioner, and everybody's like, boo! <laughs> and he makes the pick, and now we know who it is. I've just decided I'm not watching it anymore. I'm going to listen to it. I'll probably stream it on the zone on my phone and just listen to it that way so that I can do other stuff. Scott, you're right. Scott texted the show and said, Matt, it sounds like you must have watched the draft. <laughs> I did. I a lot about it, man. <laughs> I did. I'm not saying I didn't. I'm saying I'm to the point now where I'm like, why would I? We're not going to get a, a You're in recovery now. Right? That's it, man. That's it. I, I, why am I watching that? I don't know. I, I will say that 
the initial minutes of it might be neat to see what it looks like in Nashville. But And if you were there in person, that's totally different. But watching the draft on TV, that's, I'm done with that. <laughs> Here we go. Divinity Equipment Phone, Mountain Dog in Jackson. What's up, Mountain Dog? Hey, bud. Um, yeah, I'll just do the social media thing on the draft. I'll just get alerts as hey, to which team uh, drafted who. But I have a question for you. Do you think Tunzel took a pay cut when he went to the pros? <laughs> no. I, you know, okay, do, do players get all kinds of money and benefits and stuff under the table? Yeah, just about everywhere they do. But, and, you know, and I get what you're saying, Mountain Dog, but, like, if we're going strictly literal here, yeah, no, I don't think he did. You know, what did he get as far as a signing bonus? A couple million? Matt, you know me. I'm a homer, man. I can't help <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Well, that's fine. Uh, homer fans, anyway, yeah. homer fans are a lot more fun, especially on the radio. I'll say that, Mountain Dog. I got lots of friends that went to that other school. Unfortunately, I don't know why they did that, but yeah. uh, it's fun jawing back and forth. Oh, sure, sure. If I'm, if I'm not John with you, man, I don't love you. Hey, listen, I heard this with my own ears, Mountain Dog. I was working at a local TV station in North Mississippi. This would have been in the time frame around 2004, 2005, when uh, Coach Johnny Vaught passed away. Um, and they had his uh, funeral. Well, I say you know funeral, but they had a, a, a big... A memorial service memorial. Uh, for him there at Ole Miss. And I was at the TV station then, and I, I covered it. So we're talking 15 years ago, and I was sent to cover it uh, at Ole, Ole Miss. Take the cameras. You interview people. I remember I got to interview uh, Barney Poole and uh, maybe one other former player for the story that we were there for. But during that ceremony, that memorial service, Archie Manning told a story. And the story was that he was – being wooed, you know, during the contract stuff with the Saints, and that he actually met, Archie Manning met with Saints representatives at uh, Johnny Vaught's house. They're sitting around a table. Now, this is Archie Manning telling the story. And he said, you know, Coach Vaught and I are on one side of the table, and there's some Saints, they had the Saints had their folks on the other side, and they basically handed us some stuff. It was like a contract, and it had the offer and the dollar amount on it and said that Coach Vaught slid it back across the table, and they kind of looked at him, and he said to them, hell, boys, he was making more than that playing for me. <laughs> and that's uh, that's uh, coming, you know, a story that Archie Manning told about Coach Vaught. So, I look, love that, man. It, you know, what is and what is the perception of what is sometimes don't line up. You know what I'm saying? I've gotten much more mellow as I've aged. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> and I understand. Take care, buddy. Hey, by the way, I'm moving to Tupelo. Hey, are you? Great. What do you know and, about uh, it? I'm a, you know a lot well, about I work Tupelo? up there all the time. Okay. Heck yeah, man. I, I know every inch of that city. Yeah. Well, um, I love it. It's but, been my yeah, home <laughs> for it's, – it's, it's amazing to kind of count it up for me, but it's been my home now for 18 years. Yeah. I love it. It's so funny because Northeast Mississippi, that I would include Tupelo, Ripley, Baldwin, all the way up to Corinth. They're just a 
and I'm not trying to cut down Central Mississippi, but they are more friendly and more open mm-hmm. up there than they are down here. Yeah, and when That's you get the way it is. You, some of the communities you mentioned too, yeah, you get into Prentice County and and up into Alcorn County, everything really slows down too. You know, that's the other thing yep. too. It's like nothing moves as fast, and it's it's a little bit like going back in time, but it's enjoyable too. So it is a great part of the state. Well, except it, the traffic. Yeah, traffic can get backed up a little uh, now. Oh, the, no, those little there. country roads they do ninety. I know. Oh yeah, hit it. Well, up. the only problem I've had with traffic is the tra- if the train's going across people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's. It's it, going to happen. It, it, it seems like it, it is every time I need to be somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right there across right. town, right? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's about right. Matt knows what I'm talking about. I sure do. I'm I'm a block or two from it. Hey, Mountain Dog, thanks. Holler at me when you get up this way. Thanks, bud. Thank you. See you, man. See you later. Matt, Yo. the burning question is, um, so how much were you making? Oh, me? Yeah, I didn't get anything. I wasn't good enough. They 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 probably considered more paying me to go away than paying me to stay. Hey, but Roger, um, listen, did you see this thing where the basketball investigation in this FBI case, you know, they said that the LSU coach, Will Wade, they did not make him go testify in the hearing in New York, but people who did testify also threw football under the bus. It Ooh. was, yes, it was a guy who is one of the people that they brought on the stand to talk about how he was involved in the money-changing hands in basketball. And he said, no, he did it in football, too. I mean, just very matter-of-factly, yeah, we did it in football, too. He, and he named schools. He said it. We, we, we sent money, gave money to players at Michigan, Alabama. He said Alabama. He even said Northwestern. Now, think about that. That's in Chicago, this highfalutin academic academy. <laughs> I say academy. It's not, but academic institution. Yet, they had situations where these agents, and sometimes he's insinuating per the request of certain coaches, would boost the player or the player's family or, you know, close friends or girlfriend or something as a bribe to get them to not go into the NFL draft and to come back to school. I think the quote was, the coach wanted the player to consider coming back to school. And so what he was doing as an agent was going in there and saying, hey, we'll to the dad, we'll, we'll give you $10,000 if he stays for another year. Yeah, threw football right up under the bus. So I think at this point, you know, in 2019, here's the world we live in that, look, in reality, everybody knows that all over the entire country, college sports are big business. For coaches, their careers are riding on these players. Coaches are making so much money that the jobs and everything are so critical to them that, you know, it matters so much that, Break rules? Sure. I mean, it's nationwide. It has been for years. Benefits flow all over the place. And some place worse, some places worse than others. And I still believe that everybody at the NCAA knows that. And what happens is 
when certain things get leaked and happen out in the media, their feet get held to the fire and they have to go throw up a show of force to make sure everybody knows they're still there sort of thing is is what happens a lot of times. And what they, do you think is going to be the outcome of, of this guy's testimony and, and, and people like him? That's a good question. You know, does it mean that... Can they corroborate it? Right. I, well, see, the question in it for the FBI, I think, Roger, is this. Who did things illegal? Like this Christian Dawkins guy who was the agent or the runner for the agent. Well, if he's involved with actually laundering money or actually hiding it, then it, or actually bribing people in a way that is illegal, then that's what they're concerned with. They're going to jail. The FBI, I believe, has not one single solitary concern whether a, a coach broke an NCAA rule. They do not care. And if that's all it is... If all it is is Will Wade, the coach, you know, uh, hooked up a booster and a player and his family, well, that may be an NCAA problem, but that ain't an FBI problem. They don't care. So I think that's what they're dialing down into is who broke laws, and if you did, we're going to get you. If you didn't break a law, you may have ended your coaching career in the NCAA. You may get your school put on sanctions, but we don't care about that. That's what the FBI is saying. So – They are still in the early stages, I think, of peeling back the onion to get down to the nitty-gritty before we kind of find out who goes to jail and who doesn't, who was illegal versus who wasn't. So The Russians, I'm pretty sure. They're involved. Just count on it. Hey, I'm going to tell you my Talladega experience. I drove a race car at Talladega one time. I'll tell you about it next. Stick around. Echo never hurt anybody. I had one of those timeshare people hit me up on a cruise one time. Sure did, Roger. You were actually on the cruise. I was on the cruise ship, and now you got you cornered. You can't go anywhere. And half Playing the t- dirty right there. And half the time you're bored because, you know, you can't just eat all the time on a cruise ship, even though there's plenty of food. I know you didn't do this, but a lot of people pretty much go on those things to drink the whole time. Yeah. Not, not exactly your best decision-making time. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's good food. I mean, it was, you know, and hanging out and just kind of like, you know, here's the sun. There's a pool down there. The The, the most fun thing we did on the cruise, I went on this is many, many, many years ago. They had kind of a big theater hall, like two or three levels of seating and a big stage, and they'd have acts, and it was, they had some comedians every night. It was funny. I enjoyed that and the food. But, yeah, they'd corner you, these timeshare people. And what they had, Roger, was they were all young and good-looking. I was probably in my mid to late 20s at this time, and every one of these people – that were working on the cruise ship and their job was to go around seeing if they could sell timeshares. Every one of them was about the same age and really good looking. <laughs> so they get your attention that way and they start talking to you and they try to sell you 
timeshare. I didn't bite, though. I did not bite. But you're right. I, I, we, uh, I met some people on that cruise, Roger, that they were going to this thing every day where they were having this, like, art auction. You'd go in there, and they got these different pieces of art, and they describe it, and they auction it off. You could buy it. And That's where you get all your good art, you know, on the cruise ship. On the cruise ship. Yeah. And the, but the got thing, a Mona Lisa there for a deal. Well, <laughs> but see, the thing is they were serving free champagne in there oh. if you went into the art auction. And, and we met these people that they were like, yeah, we go every day just for the free champagne. <laughs> Are you buying any art? Nah. <laughs> all right, so this weekend is Talladega. Did I have that right? Show is I heard the promo. This weekend is Talladega. Let's qualify a couple things first before I tell you a Talladega story. Number one, Roger, are you a NASCAR fan? Have you ever been? I mean, I don't hate it. Uh, it's not my exact thing, but I, I think if going and being there would be kind of exciting with all that, the the engines and the you know the yeah. power and yeah, and the talent. Yeah. Exactly. The engines, the power, and then throw in there a little Tim the little, Tim the Toolman Taylor grunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, right. It's I've never been to the race. The Talladega five hundred. Never been to the race. If there's a graphic if you Google it, you can if you find it in which they have taken all of the SEC um Facilities like uh, football facilities, uh-huh, right? And and show how they fit inside the uh, center mm-hmm. field at Talladega, right? Yeah, it's much bigger around. Well, it, it is so massive. Now it's not as tall a structure as some of the football stadiums, so oh, of so yeah. height would be. Different. I don't know though. You think? Yeah, they, the, the the grandstand over there on that, which I guess is before it's between turn four and turn one. Mm-hmm. You know, right where pit row. Is it pit road or pit row? Pit row. 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 Like row, row, row your boat. I'm thinking because there are a row of pits there. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Pit yeah. row. And anyway, if so right wrong, there. Trust me, we'll have five people tell us. In it'll be seconds. soon. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> anyway, um, never been to the race there. It is a massive facility for a lot of people who've ever – you know, let's say you've gone to Birmingham and you are going from Birmingham to Atlanta on what is it, I twenty? Then you've driven past it, Talladega Super Speedway. Fifteen years ago, again, it was, it was a result of working in a local TV station. Talladega has a thing called, or did, don't know if they still do, but I think they do, called uh, during the off season, during the summer. The Richard Petty Driving Experience. And, buddy, it was an experience. And about 15 years ago, what they were doing is trying to promote this thing. They wanted people, especially those within reasonable driving distance of the racetrack, to know, hey, you can come over here and you can sign up and pay a little money and we'll let you drive a race car around Talladega Super Speedway, teach you how to do it, take your picture, put you in a driving suit, it's just a whole tourist attraction. We're going to make money off this track even when we're not having a race here. But it was the Richard Petty driving experience. And so as a result, they reached out to a lot of local media and said, hey, if you'll come over here and do a story about this on your news or 
in your paper or whatever, it gives us free promotion, and we'll let you come do it for free. It won't cost you anything. You just come. You give us the coverage. And that's what happened. And I was chosen as the representative of the TV station I was at to get to go You're do driving. this, to go You're drive. small man. That's right. <laughs> and I took our, let's see, our news director at the time, his name is Robert Davidson. Robert was is and was always a huge NASCAR fan. So he went with me, and he was going to basically be the videographer because he knew how to do all that. And Robert now is the news director at WCBI in Columbus. So he went, and um, we had somebody else with us. And, but mainly it was just me and, and Robert Davidson working this. And, uh, yeah, this is the experience. Roger, I went. I showed up. They spent about half a day, the first half of the day, putting you through the class. You go through speeches. They give you all these things. You have to take a little short written test to prove you've learned this, that, and the other, and the RPMs, and where the gear, and forth, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And how to put your helmet on and how to do the seatbelt. Yeah, you you got to prove you know how to do that. And then right around lunchtime, after three or four classes and speeches and tests, they put you in a van with a driver, and he drives a van full of people around the track giving you pointers and teaching you things you need to know as he drives around Talladega Super Speedway going 90 miles an hour in a van. And and the reason he goes so fast is because in the turns they're so steep, if you go slow, you can't stay up. <laughs> that would be that'd be a great picture. The van just kind of rolled over on its side. Right. He's going and here's the thing too. The track is so big and so wide open. He's like driving with his elbow on top of the steering wheel, turned around looking at us the whole time. He's not even watching where he's going. It, it was wild. And sure enough, after that, they put you in a certain order. And here come the instructor drivers, with, and the race cars are out there. These are old, washed-up race cars that are no longer being used by actual NASCAR drivers, but they were at one time, and they've been you know, modified to be what they need for this driver experience. And they put you in a full-body driving suit and a helmet, and it's your turn. And, buddy, you crawl in the window like Bo and Luke Duke. Get in there. They strap you in. You're by yourself in this car, and you're about to drive it 170 miles an hour around Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, You know, I sit down. They're like, okay, that's your instructor driver. My instructor driver in front of me was in an old uh, Bud Light number 2 car, and I was in – the old Kenny Schrader, number 36 M&M's Pontiac. And they say, okay, he's going to take off. When he hits it, you got to go. Don't ease up. Don't take it slow. Hit it and go. And then when you get to this landmark, you put it in second. You get to this one, you put it in third. And then put it in fourth and don't ever come off of it and stand on the gas and just follow him the whole way. And I drove nine laps around Talladega Super Speedway, 170 miles an hour, and it was the most thrilling and a, like adrenaline rush outside of throwing a touchdown pass in an SEC game that I have ever felt. It was that cool. And I've told everybody since then, save your money. It's like $500. Save it up. Spend it. Go drive it. You will never regret it. It was incredible. And so you did fit in there. Barely. Because you know how these drivers are about. Yeah. I fit, though. I fit, just barely. 
All right, stick around. Back on the show. Man, big news earlier today. Potentially big. You would think it will have an impact in this Georgia versus Mississippi State series. It's going to happen starting tomorrow in Starkville. Bulldogs versus Bulldogs. The ace of the Georgia pitching staff is out for this weekend's uh, series. He's out. Emerson Hancock is his name. Emerson Hancock. He is 7-2 this year with a 1.04 ERA. The Georgia pitching staff is the has been the best pitching staff in the SEC against other SEC teams this year. He's the ace not going to pitch against Mississippi State because of soreness. I'll give you some details here coming up. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Somebody you can deal with face-to-face, 101, right there in your home community. Also, this show stays connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer-inspired. Now, phone lines are open to you, so uh, feel free to give me a shout. It is 995-1059. That's the number to the Divinity Equipment phone. Just give me a call. Like Mountain Dog did earlier and Brett and John Bond, you can be like them and be on the show on the Divinity Equipment phone. 995-1059. That's a 601 area code. Yeah, here's the quote. This is being reported by Anthony Dasher. At UGASports.com, they're a rivals site that covers Georgia athletics. Emerson Hancock, sophomore right-hander, won't be on the mound when uh, Georgia plays Mississippi State this weekend. He had some soreness after his bullpen session yesterday on Wednesday. Here is the full quote from Georgia head coach Scott Strickland. He's just a little bit extra sore. It's been checked out. Everything's structurally fine. We just don't want it to linger, so we made the decision that we're going to try and knock this out so he can be 100% for the final stretch if we need him. If this was an absolute must-win Super Regional, Omaha Regional, he's pitching. He wanted to pitch, but we made the decision that we're going to let this calm down and get him to 100%. That's big news in the series. We were looking at what was going to be the premier pitching matchup we've seen all year long in Starkville, and that's Ethan Small versus this guy, Emerson Hancock. But now it's not going to happen. So it'll move the uh, Saturday starter up. It'll move everything up for Georgia. And we'll see. State is the best hitting team in the SEC. They've got the best batting average of any SEC team. They've got the fewest strikeouts of any SEC team to go with the best batting average. Kind of makes sense, right? 
And so it's a really good lineup. They State's offense just was non-existent last weekend on the road against Arkansas. But then they bust out for eight runs against Ole Miss in the Governor's Cup this week and will be back at home facing a really good pitching staff for Georgia. And so that's a, a blow to Georgia's chances. But it is a big deal. Last week, Hancock was really good against uh, Missouri. I forget what the numbers were last week against Missouri, but I want to say he had 10 strikeouts, 11 strikeouts. Yeah, he was the SEC pitcher of the week last week. So maybe potentially a bit of a break for Mississippi State as they get ready to host uh, host Georgia right there. So need to be aware of that. Let me get to a tweet or two from Jason. Jason out in Arizona tweeting, listening to the show online and tweeting me. I was talking about not watching the draft. I'll listen to it. I didn't really want to watch the draft. Jason says, I'm with you. If I'm going to sit and watch nothing, I've got a box of VHS tapes and old games on it. <laughs> he followed that up. We were talking about North Mississippi after Mountain Dog called and said he's moving up this way. Jason said that he grew up in Fulton mostly, moved back to Iuka after his uh, time in the Army. And he said that whole back in, it's like going back in time business goes both ways. He said, I love North Mississippi, but it's missing a lot. Tupelo is the exception, he says. Corinth is trying to be, otherwise you're in Mayberry and you need a trip to Mount Pilot for most things, he says. <laughs> How about that? I, I knew that Tupelo had finally become livable out, and I could consider moving back when they got more than one good sushi restaurant. Yeah. They, they didn't have sushi there for a long time in Tupelo. Do we, uh, so Tupelo has more than one sushi place? Which one? Are you thinking about one? No, because I don't eat sushi, so I don't really even know them. Yeah, there's a couple. Okay. I had to choose when I was there. Okay. I'm not a big fan of sushi, Roger. (laughs) I Uh, like the kind that's that's cooked a little. I don't like the raw stuff either. I'm not into the raw stuff. I like Scott's conspiracy theory on the text line. My thing about sushi is it's, like the guy said, where I come from, we call that bait. Uh, uh, you were going there. All right. So we have a conspiracy theory. Scott says that Georgia is scared and they don't want to mess up his ERA against uh, the best was, hitting team in the conference. I was thinking about that. Were you really? You think that? I, I just yeah. – see, I only look at it through the eyes of, like, if I'm him and I'm in his shoes, there's nobody in the world I don't want to pitch against, you know? And plus, they they, well, he wanted it. to. It's the coaches that made the decision. That's right. Well, and the coaches themselves. If he could go, he'd be pitching because, uh, look, they this is a road series against a top fifteen RPI team. They'll move up in the RPI rankings if if Georgia only wins one game in Starkville. But if Georgia could win two games in Starkville, their RPI would shoot on up there. It's already really good. So I think they would play them. Uh, Fluffy bottoms. Had a follow-up. We were talking about NASCAR. Fluffy Bottoms says, I may have never driven 170 at Talladega, but I have been in a Monte Carlo going 100 driven by a guy with a mullet. So I've stared at death on four wheels. <laughs> I was thinking about when I was 16 and one of my dad's employees. We were in a, one of those souped-up Datsuns, you know, uh-huh. and uh, we had to be doing 120 while playing My Sharona at full volume. <laughs> I, on a little road in New Albany, and I was 
Yeah. I was uh, leaving my fingerprints on that uh-huh. uh, upholstery, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you're one of the lucky ones. You know, every year somebody's killed doing something stupid like that. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Preaching up here. I did it. Hey, Roger, let me just tell you, though, man. So they gave me the landmarks. I'm in the number 36 M&M's Pontiac, <laughs> following my instructor driver at Talladega, and I take off. When, he's, when he took off, I got it in first. I come off the clutch. I'm on the gas, and I still hear the guys saying, go, 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 because that instructor driver, I'm talking about he burned rubber. I drove through smoke to get out there where I could see him. And then we get down there, and I hit the first landmark. That was the end of the pit row. I throw it into second, stomp on it just to stay behind the guy. We get down to the end, and we're about to start up into the turn there, turn one. That's uh, the Phillips 66 sign, as was my landmark to throw it into third gear, stomp on it. We're up in the turn now. And when you get halfway up in that first turn, you throw it into fourth gear, step on it, and never come off of it. And that first experience with that car roaring, the noise and the vibration of this car, and we're already up to, you know, 100 and climbing. When it came out of that turn, that 33-degree bank turn, which would be turn two, and the leveling off from 33 degrees back to relatively level, and it scooting you over next to that wall just by inertia, and you're holding the wheel to hold the car off the wall, and that thing's vibrating, and the noise is unlike anything you've ever seen. I'm just telling you. You're trying to hold your line. You're holding your line. I'm just telling you the way it looked and sounded and felt. This was in July, and it was 100 degrees in the shade. but it And the smell of that exhaust of that car in front of you going that fast, it is the biggest adrenaline rush. I was scared to death. Could you imagine going around 500 times? But no. Very crowded. Much less. And seeing I'm going, we're, we got restrictor plates on these driver cars. They don't have those, right? No, they do have them now. But they still, it's all souped up. They're going 200 miles an hour. They do what they can here and there. And look, Roger, the first two times around the track, I was afraid. But about the third time, I started enjoying it. All right, the first time around, you get over on the the, the home stretch in fr- in front of the the stand, the grandstands where the where the uh, the flag stand is, right across from pit road. Where the, it's basically your finish line, right? They had told you ahead of time. Look, when you come under there, if he waves a rolled up green flag at you, that means scoot up, get closer to your driver. I thought I was eating the guy's bumper all the way around the track. Eating it. And when we came up under that flag stand, he gave me a rolled-up green flag, told me to scoot up, get even closer. Yeah, about the third time, fourth time around, I started to enjoy it. It's just... I'm telling you, go drive that car at the driving experience if you can do it. Did you think about trying to pass it? I did think about it. Anybody would. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been ultimate right there. Yeah, that's right. It had been my last time driving over there for sure. All right, y'all have a good Thursday. Roger and I will be back with you tomorrow. See you then. See ya. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.